there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Welcome to our first Buckets, Boards, and Blocks of February. It's Black History Month, so this month we'll throw in a little Black History favor. But today, we're going to talk plenty of basketball. We've got an amazing guest who speaks words of wisdom. First, Darlene, let's run it. Buckets, Boards, and Blocks with Monica McNutt and King McClure is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Monica is a former Georgetown Hoyer who likes nothing better than a three in transition and thinks DC ballers are the smartest. King is a former three and D Baylor baller whose idea of a good time is locking down the other team's best scorer. Monica, King, let's do this. Now we have a very special guest today. One of the people who I look up to in the industry, one of my <laughs> biggest mentors. He's helped me a whole lot in my career. And he has one hell of a resume. He's been a college hoops analyst for ESPN since 2009. Grew up in the very tough town of East St. Louis. In that, no, I can say that's where Gucci Mane is from, but that's East, that's East Atlanta. Now, my my bad. Oh, now my bad. Look, he's a McDonald's All American. Then played at Notre Dame, which how I met him. My college, my high school coach played Notre Dame with him. Was his point guard Tim Singleton? Yes. Then. Number five pick overall in the 1992 draft by Denver and played 11 seasons in the league. He was even part of the Nickelodeon TV TV show, The Secret <laughs> World of Alex Mack. Hold Don't on. Don't you mind that? <laughs> Time out. Hold on, Franz. Yeah. You were in a Nickelodeon TV show. I had no idea until <laughs> a friend of ours whose children watched that show at the time I uh, kind of did a double take and the kids are like, dad, mom, I thought I heard Uncle Fonz's voice or heard them mention Uncle Fonz. And sure enough, they started to uh, kind of listen to it more closely. And my understanding is the character, Alex Mack, would essentially say, what will LaFonzo Ellis do in this situation? Now, I didn't know anything about it because the NBA is allowed to use, our, well, back then, could use our likenesses, our voices, all of it name, image, and likeness in any way that they chose. So I had no idea that I was on a, on a well, what's essentially a kid show. Wow. That's hilarious. That's tight, though. I was it's like, I'm tight. Yeah. It's yeah. super tight. It's right? super tight. But it's, and, and speaking of memories in terms of when we were introduced to LaFonzo Ellis, I remember when you got started as an analyst and still had your locks. Oh, good memory. And I thought that was so dope because we didn't see it, right? And I was like, yo, I was like, if he can get there, surely I can get there ultimately with this short little natural haircut before it was a thing. So I yeah. remember that about LaFonzo Ellis. You know what, Monica, all they ever ask is that they, they celebrate diversity in every way that you can think of. And all they ask is that you keep it kempt. Yeah. <laughs> keep it, yeah. keep it up, yes. So I always... Had it lined and always had shaved and that kind of thing. And yours is great. Yours is nowhere near what mine was. So don't you ever worry. Yours is awesome. Thank you. Thank you. I, nev I never knew you had dreads, Fine. I'm sitting here looking at it. Yeah. <laughs> you had dreads. I never knew that. <laughs> I did. I did. The uh, 
little hairline, start to see more forehead, so I had to let them ride. <laughs> <laughs> I was grateful to hold on to hair for 44 years, though, buddy. For sure, for sure. Monica? All right, so King gave you that fantastic introduction. I love that you guys have a relationship before we got into this pod. We've got so much to get into with you, Fonz. I do want to start with college basketball, and then we've got plenty of NBA fodder to discuss. Um, it seems like the statement, the teams with the elders, upperclassmen, are the yeah. teams that are navigating the uncertainty of this year best, is at this point a no-brainer. And we see it when we look through um, the ranked teams, and particularly that top, what, five-ish, top mm -hmm. ten? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and coming into the season, Monica, I was asked about that, and I thought that the veteran teams would navigate it more easily. It's going to be a challenge for everyone, but I thought they had a distinct advantage. And part of that was I kind of looked into my own history as a freshman, you know, I'm concerned about every little thing, my ankle being taped the proper way, my gum, my lucky gum, juicy fruit gum in my sock properly, right? Or our meal was off schedule. All of that stuff would kind of throw me off a bit because every aspect of that influenced uh, my preparation to the game. By the time I was a junior and a senior, I could really care less. Give me my uniform, uh, give me the game plan, and let's go out there and try to get a win for my teammates and my coaching staff. And so having that mindset, I thought the older teams would navigate it more easily. And I think we've seen that so far. So Franz, do you think that the era of the Blue Bloods, and particularly Duke, Kentucky, Kansas, North Carolina, is that coming to an end? Uh, we certainly have the new bloods, teams like Florida State. I don't think it's going to come. I don't think it's coming to an end. I think this is more a uh, an anomaly uh, for those teams. You look at a Kentucky team who John Calipari brings in uh, a new crop of elite level freshmen each and every year. And the fact is, simple fact is, King is th those guys weren't ready to play at this level. B.J. Boston is going to be a heck of a ball player one day. But he's, he's got a slight frame. He can't finish through contact. At times, he has a tough time off the dribble getting in the lane, something that he was really good at. And as I think of those teams that you just mentioned, you know the one thing that they're missing? If, if, if Jalen Suggs of Gonzaga could be cloned four times, five, four times, so he would stay there, his clones would go and play for those four teams that you just mentioned, each of those teams would be in such a better situation. North Carolina used to having a point guard that can really push the pace, get in the lane, try to create his own shot. He doesn't have anything. He pulls it out and usually they have spot up shooters. They don't have it. Kentucky doesn't have that type of point guard who's kind of a dog on both ends of the floor. And so that's really the issue is not that those those teams and their freshman talent that they aren't talented necessarily. I just think the pieces that they have don't necessarily fit and all of them are missing an elite level point guard. On that note, Fonz, a friend of mine uh, was talking about the G League Team Ignite this mm -hmm. year, right? And he feels like that has the potential that we could see some more of this because now these young men have this option where they don't necessarily have to go and depend on who you talk to, pretend to be students, whatever. Sure. Sure. Um, sure. What do you think about that? Uh, I, I think that's definitely possible. And I, obviously we've seen it uh, this year and kind of had the... Um, 
people began to talk about it about two years ago. But I think what's also going to happen on the other side is now all of a sudden we have two things this year. We have complete amnesty, everyone given an additional year of eligibility on one side. And then, of course, we're going to enter either this year or next year, have everyone being able to transfer one time without penalty. So what that's going to create is a collegiate type of free agency. And because not every team out there can go get a McDonald's All-American uh, who you have to wonder if they're going to be ready to impact winning right away, why wouldn't I go get an Adam Flagler, like uh, a veteran player who's proven themselves that they can play uh, at, at, at the levels that they were at. So I think you're going to see high majors recruiting mid-major guys off of rosters, and you're going to see mid-major teams recruiting uh, the best talent off of low-major rosters. And so I do think that teams are going to continue to try to recruit uh, top-level high school talent, but we are certainly going to have a, a huge, vast, and robust free agency market uh, with regard to the, again, the amnesty, the one-time amnesty, and then the uh, future transfer without sitting penalty coming up. Oh, oh. So, so with that being said, like, does it almost in a sense hurt a lot of kids in high school? Because when you think, when you look at it, wh mm -hmm. why am I recruiting? If you're not a top level high school player, why should I waste my time recruiting you? If I can just go recruit some guy at Georgetown or some guy at Florida state that, that that's already been in the program and that's ready to play right away. That's exactly right. And, and I do think, I, I, I don't think it's going to be one of those things King where uh, let's say there's 357 schools. Let's assume that uh, they're bringing in two guys each class, right? And so I don't think that it's going to diminish the need for high school players, but I do think it's going to impact them greatly because you make a great point. So we have uh, a kid who's in the Patriot League playing for Navy or Colgate, who's a two-time first team all Patriot League guy and during the non-conference season has shown his ability to be able to put up numbers against an Ohio State of Villanova. Now he has street cred, right? And yeah. I'm going to take that guy who, given the fact that he's either a sophomore or junior who's kind of been through the war, so to speak, who I know I can plug in and play and just teach my system and not have to worry about the mental adjustment to the game. So that makes them even more valuable. Hmm. Mm. Now I know on the women's side, there's two teams in the ACC, Boston College and Notre Dame. And then UConn has it. They've got freshmen who technically would have been coming to campus next fall. They're there already and playing. Have we seen that and any impact from it on the men's side? I'm just, I'm not up to speed. It, and it's interesting that you mentioned that, Monica, because we and, and the, they fail to come to mind from. But I'm almost positive that Kentucky's point guard. Devin I ask you. But yes, say again. Devin Askew. Yeah, I'm, I'm King. Am I correct? Isn't Devin yeah. Askew supposed to be a senior in high school this year? Devin Askew is supposed to be a senior in okay. high school. But yes. He, uh, which, which is kind of the reason why he's not ready. I mean, correct. Exactly. Correct. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. And so we, we're having it a little bit. And I think those type of players, Monica, going forward are going to be impacted. But but a lot of that came out of uh, the need to actually have a point guard because John Calipari didn't recruit a point guard in that space. And so now all of a sudden you don't have one. You know you need one. So you, there's a little yeah. bit of desperation 
that that that's created, and then you bring in a guy who's solid, but not that elite level two way get lane playmaking guard that you used to having at the point guard position. And so uh, teams that have done that have obviously suffered because that 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 player's just not ready. Mm, okay. So we're talking, we're talking about point guard. So when it looks at the in terms of the freshman class, and just point guards overall, matter of fact, other than Jalen Suggs, I think there's another guy who's really impressed me, and I want to hear your thoughts on him, Sharif Cooper. What are your thoughts? Because I've been thoroughly impressed. I think this kid is probably the best passer that we've seen in the college game, maybe since Trey Young, maybe. I would agree. Or or Frankie Ferrari, if you're familiar with Frankie Ferrari. That's true, yeah. Uh, since one of them two. But I think, I mean, he can't shoot, but I think he has, he's an elite level player. What, what, what are your thoughts on Sharif? It's funny, King, because if we go back to one of your earlier questions about the blue bloods or new bloods, right? Mm-hmm. That kid would fit perfectly yeah. in North Carolina <laughs> or Kentucky. Because here's the thing. So we've seen him put up numbers in terms of his ability to get in the lane and make plays and finish over longer guys with either hand. We know his elite level passing ability and feel and vision. Uh, but uh, I watched him play uh, recently where he took two consecutive charges. People don't give him enough credit that he's a really good positional defender as well. Yeah. And so I would add him to that list along with, well, very short list, along with Jalen Suggs, guys who can really impact the game. And King, I, I tell you what, I would love to play with that kid what? because if I rebound the ball and feel yeah. the pain, you're guaranteed that you're going to get a lob or pass <laughs> or a dunk. So his bigs, every time they see them get, every time he gets the ball in his hand, they should be sprinting because he's a willing <laughs> passer and, and the ball doesn't stick in his hands. If you're open, it's like it hits his hands and it's gone. I agree with you. I've been super impressed with him. Um, how do you get to this level and can't shoot? I mean, that's that's an issue moving forward, no? It's it's interesting. Hmm. The the I've been at ESPN now for 12 years. My youngest son is a junior at Bucknell, right? And I, I've watched the progression of the need uh, of needs of different teams, and particularly as it as it relates to guards. 10 years ago, it was the three and D guy, right? Mm-hmm. You wanted somebody who's a floor spacer, but that can also take the best offensive player on the opposing team and cause problems, right? And then uh, right around the time when Walter was coming through, he was a two-way, he was a football player and started playing uh, basketball late. So that, let's see, he's a junior now, so that would have been six years ago. Then all of a sudden, everybody, because of what Kansas was doing, they wanted Two, they wanted to start two combo guards, right? Mm-hmm. And no disrespect to combo guards, but combo guards are usually really good at putting it on the deck and getting to the lane, right? And maybe they can pass. They can't always shoot. <laughs> and so with, with, with a few exceptions, Baylor being one of those, we have a whole bunch of combo. Tennessee. Is a, is a great example. Mm. Is a great example. They have a bunch of dudes who can put the floor, put the ball on the floor, and get in the lane. If you ever watch them play, their offense gets stuck because none of them, none of them, can shoot the ball. But none. that's not what you need to go to the next level. And you got to be able to shoot. But everybody, but everybody is excited about combo guard because it, it's it's funny. It's funny because in the NBA, everybody used to say that uh, the NBA is a copycat league. Meaning if 
let's say King's the head coach and he creates a style, right? Oh, I, I give you a great example. Right, right now, having a five man who can get you into your offense, like a Nikola Jokic, my boys, Denver Nuggets. Uh, <laughs> yeah, not, not everybody wants that type of player, right? But not everybody, every team is built for that type of player, right? Yeah. And, 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 and the commentary over the last three years that I've been hearing a lot that drives me nuts in college basketball is we want to play positionless basketball. In order to play positionless basketball, you have to have those type of players yeah. who, where you have five guys on the floor who could dribble, pass, and shoot. Not everybody has that luxury, right? And that's why I appreciate, and, and they're getting better. They lost to Clemson last night, but that's why I appreciate teams like, uh, coaches like Roy Williams. You know when you're playing against Roy Williams, he's going to have at least three bigs that are going to punish you on the offensive glass. They're going to play inside out. And for anybody who's saying you can't win with that style, well, I think he has a national championship in the last five years, right? Bill Self, he's going to play in typical Bill Self teams. Now, he's, he's good with having two combo guards out front, too. But since I've been at ESPN, with few exceptions, they are an inside-out team, right? And, and part of that is so, so you recruit to your system or each year you take an evaluation of what kind of players you have and build your system around the players that you have. And I don't see that kind of creativity across the board in college basketball. I've been a little bit disappointed with it. Mm. I mean, well, King, unless you got more college questions, it's a perfect segue. I mean, yeah, it is a perfect segue. But to your point, <laughs> with, <laughs> to, to your point, the Shreve Cooper point, it, it does kind of hurt him a little bit. Like when he played against Baylor, they yeah. really took advantage and exposed him not being able to shoot. It's going under ball screens, yep. forcing him to become a scorer. That is something that he does need for the next level because yes. a little like that, you have to be able to come off the, the at least be a threat, kind of like Davion. Like last year, Davion wasn't a threat. The, uh, both of you guys agree with the comparison and his passing ability to Trey Young. But if Trey Young could not shoot, I don't think Trey Young is a pro, personally. That's a great point. That's I, a good I, point. I, I couldn't I, disagree I, with you fair. more, Monica. <laughs> couldn't disagree with you more. But you know what, though, Monica? So a team, because of his instincts, his willingness to get under the ball and guard for 94 feet and his That's passing, a, a team will take a chance on Sharif Cooper, even though he's undersized. I yeah. would think in the latter part of the first round, because at that level, they have shooting coaches on most teams. Yeah, you can teach that. a kid. You can teach a kid how to shoot, right? Okay. You can't necessarily teach those. I call them God givens that he has. Yeah. Feel, uh, pick and roll ability can make all the passes with either hand. Uh, you can teach him how to shoot. So I, I still think he'll be a very valuable uh, piece to some team in that league. All right. Mm, okay. All right, so now let's transfer to the big leagues. Um, now she's going to do that. that she's going to from my strength to my weakness. How you going to make me play with my left hand now? Because, because Fonz, you actually inspired me to have a segment, Arguments okay. That Drive Me Nuts, okay? okay. Or comments. And the yes. argument this year that is really working my nerves, I'm sick of hearing it, is there's only one ball when it comes to the Brooklyn Nets. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> that, like that is like no right. I think that that is very lazy and a borderline asinine um and for you as a pro just in general we don't need no deep X's and O's but we do need your NBA experience and all that you know um just what's your take on the Nets I'm curious my my take on the Nets was uh early on when it was just Kyrie and KD um I know Sean Marks Sean Marks who's their general manager 
was my teammate in Miami. And so I know the commitment to system because, of course, he went on to play at San, San Antonio for Popovich. He was an assistant coach there. And so I know what his mindset is with his players. Uh, I thought KD would be a positive influence on Kyrie, especially now that KD's won a, a world title and knows what that feels like and what's necessary to get there. I was really concerned about Harden going there for this reason, not that he doesn't score, not that he's not a great passer, but in order to win it, you got to have a commitment to defense. And yeah. because of how you space, how teams space the floor now, it's difficult to hide guys. You could hide a, during my day, it's interesting because, uh, and, and actually my middle son pointed this out. One of the things that people began to complain about is they didn't like all the isolation basketball that took place in the NBA kind of influenced by Iverson and some would say early on, maybe with Jordan. But the reality is, is even during my day, it was still isolation. We just played inside out, right? And, uh, and, and so my, my concern with the Nets is, and again, going back to, because you play the, more of a spread offense versus the old school inside out that we used to play. Back in the day, you could hide those kind of guys who had defensive deficiencies can't hide those guys anymore because most teams in the league now have, even, even, even if two of their guys in the lineup maybe can't shoot it, they can at least handle it decently and, and, and get to the rim to be able to make a play. And so I'm just interested to see going forward. If, I, how about I do it this way? If James Harden does not commit to the defensive end, the Nets will not win the world championship. It's not going to happen. That I agree with 100%. Right, but yeah. I, this idea that the offense is going to be the issue I'm laughing at. No, but and, and again, Monica, because it's it's different now because it's spread, but it's still it's still isolation basketball. You want to get the basketball in the hands of your best one, two, three players, and then of those three, whoever's hot is who we want to get the rock to, right? And so, yeah, I, I agree with you uh, when folks say there's not enough balls to go around. Uh, no, I don't think yeah. so. The, now, the the other issue though is can Kyrie who's shown himself to be just a little bit from an ego standpoint, unstable. And I love Kyrie. I've met him. He's really good to me. And uh, can he emotionally handle being second or third fiddle consistently going forward now that you know, one of the greatest scorers in the history of our game is now his teammate from Houston. And that's okay. All right. That's fair. I mean, I, I agree with you. But, you know, you, you said hiding players and hiding you on the defensive end, Fine. Yeah. So, question for you. <laughs> Who was the toughest player that you had to guard in the NBA? Mm. That, that's, yeah, that, that's tough. Because, um, and the reason I say it's tough, because I was in the Western Conference when Charles Barkley, Carl Malone, Sean Kemp, those guys were in their prime. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> and so and, and they presented different issues Carl Malone because of his, his just sheer strength mm -hmm. uh, opinion side and uh, Sean Kemp 6'11 uh, ran like a guard could jump over the backboard <laughs> play with his back to the basket can can knock down the three play in the mid-range y'all trying to get me depressed here right <laughs> And then, and then Charles Barkley undersized at 6'4", and he also uh, could play with his back to the basket. But people forget 
Charles played guard when he was in high school, middle school. And so much of his, and, and we're not talking about the way guys cross you over between the legs and all that stuff that they do now, but Charles Barkley handled the ball like a guard. He could change speed, change direction. And then he started to knock down that set, that set shot three and what annoyed me so much about him. So I had to play up closer to honor his three because he shot it a set shot. Come on, can you think about it? I'm can think about it. First thing that we were taught defensively is to stay down, hand up, and then you jump after they jump. Yeah. What well, works when you're playing against a jump shooter, that doesn't work when you're playing against a set shooter. So every time Charles went like this, I jump, he drive by. Or or if he went like that, my hands were down. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> you guys for bringing back three nightmares uh, for me during my early days. <laughs> I appreciate Shame it. that's not how we treat our guests. Shame <laughs> on you. My bad, my bad. Look, I got another question for you. Did, did you play with uh, Mark Mood? I did. Man, that dude right there. He was so good. I, he, I, was, he, was the, he was the first coming of Steph Curry. But remember, mm. we played that. We played differently. And, and I'll just give you one little story about him. I have no idea why, because Mark Moo was there too. Though we were the same high school class, he right. was in Denver a year or two before I got there because he came out of school early, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know what his issue was with John Stockton. I'm a rookie. We go play Utah at Utah. Mark Moo drops 55 on John Stockton in Salt Lake at the Delta Center. And we won. <laughs> Monica, Monica, you ever seen this dude before? Yeah, I've seen highlights, yes. Oh my gosh. He was, oh in high school, I mean, in, in at LSU, he was filthy. Like, Coach, Coach Tim, Tim Singleton. Yes. The first person to ever show me this guy. I was like, oh my gosh. Bad dude. dude was filthy. He'd average 30 uh, if he played now. Easy, yeah. easy. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Touch anybody. You, you can't touch anybody now. Wow, man. Okay, so look, let's let's intertwine your both worlds together. We want you to shoot with your right hand and we're gonna get off that left hand a little bit. Thank you. Um, <laughs> who are some guys? I don't, I mean, honestly, Fonz, if your son was a senior mm -hmm. um and had NBA potential, would you encourage them to take this extra year they're gonna get of eligibility? Or like I don't even know how the draft is gonna work this year. Are guys mm -hmm. like and then I'm just curious on some names whose okay. skill set you see translating um, to the next level? Cade uh, Cunningham from okay. Oklahoma State, 6'8". Because it, it's interesting, Monica, today's game, uh, you, you, you have specialists mm -hmm. on one side, and then you have kind of facilitators in the middle, and then you have some elite level scorers who can do both, right? And Cade Cunningham, I know he's not super explosive, but at 6'8", his, look, especially in the Big 12, especially in the Big 12, he's been able to impact winning. And, and, and of course, if, if this court case goes their way, they would be NCAA eligible. And, mm -hmm. and, and so he's playing in the best defensive conference in the country. Yet he leads the Big 12 in scoring. Low turnover, dude. When you got so many guys, including Baylor, who can get underneath him 94 feet, and he doesn't turn the basketball over, plays at his own tempo. I think he's shooting, what, 37% from three. And they have, I know, I'm boring you right now, Monica. No, 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 not at all. I'm just, <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. I've seen K like three times. I like it. And remember, and remember, 
he's getting all of this done and they're not even taking advantage of, of what I think is could be a mismatch for them every night. They're not even playing through him in the post. Mm. And so 6'8", can grab a rebound, push it up the floor, get into the middle of the lane, create offense for himself or his teammates, excellent in pick and roll situations, seems to move his feet laterally, which suggests that he'll be able to defend at the next level. So he, right now he jumps off the page for me. And then as we start to look at uh, specialists, if I would pick one, Corey Kispert, six mm. seven, runs the floor hard, can flat out stick it and can get it off quickly. He's got a he's got a little toughness, a little dog to him a bit, and so he 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 uh, unlike most he he'll actually get up and try to defend. He'll try to dunk it on you if he goes down the lane. I I really like him and um, Jalen Suggs. Mm-hmm. I think his toughness uh, translates as a two way player. I, I I don't think he's going to be a twenty point a night kind of guy, but I do think um, his, his toughness, his ability to shoot it. His ability to get in the lane to make plays. He's good in ball screen situations. Uh, I think of a Malcolm Brogdon type because he's not super athletic. Malcolm's mm-hmm. not either. I think of Malcolm Brogdon when I think of him. And um, beyond that. Mm. Any old heads, Fonz? Because B- B- Kispert isn't a freshman, but the other two were highly touted coming in. Cade yes. and Jalen. Yes, they, they were. Uh, I, a, guy, a guy that I'm not sure how the NBA evaluators see him, but Luca Garza's got really, really slow feet, and that's a challenge. But my gosh, King, this kid's gonna rebound for you. Yeah. He's gonna relentlessly go to the glass. He never takes a playoff. And I'm sorry, uh, Monica, dude, 6'11, shooting 46% from the three point line and can play with his back to the basket. And what's interesting about it is we'll say, on one hand, well, his slow feet because he, he's I feel so bad for him because he it, it is it literally looks like he has heavy blocks taped to his ankles when he runs mm-hmm. and, and people use that against him. And yet, if you go to my favorite team, the Denver Nuggets, well, Jokic is not exactly an athletic specimen either. Right. I was thinking so, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So so a 6'11 dude who can consistently now knock down threes with a high release. So if you hide him in the corner or on the wings, even if you if it's a good defensive team like Miami, who's going to get out there and challenge early? Well, whoever that is is rotating. Dude shooting that thing from here, and he's already 6'11, right? And so uh I know a lot of people are down him because of his lack of athleticism. But I actually think his skill level, because he's highly skilled, I think his skill level translates. You know, I, I kind of, when I think of him, I kind of, the first person that pops into mind, I'm not going to say they're similar, but the first person that pops into mind is like a Vucevic from, uh, from, from the Magic. I mean, That's I think that, that Vucevic is kind of similar. Or a, uh, what's my guy name from? Um, Vucevic, from- to your point, though, King, is a little bit more athletic. To your yeah, point. Le- 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 yeah, a little athletic. more athletic. Yeah. But also, the next guy is the guy from the Trailblazers. I forgot my man's name. Why does it slip out my mind? You know what I'm Nurkic. talking about? Nurkic. Yeah, oh, I was going to say. I think Nurkic is a little bit more skilled, uh, perimeter-wise. But those are the first two guys that come to my mind um, when I yeah. think of Luka Garza. But I, I'm kind of like you. I, I, don't, I don't know if he could play in the next level because of the defensive end, because of his slow feet. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see. But the, the one thing that I've seen from him is, because remember, yeah, my Jokic is not exactly a speed demon either, right? Yeah, <laughs> and he, was yeah. a, he he was a 
detriment to them for years on the defensive end. But of course, you you tolerate it a bit because he's given you twenty and ten and seven uh, on the yeah, other yeah, end. Yeah, yeah. But I thought one of the things that they did was, depending on who the point guard was, is they started to put him in drop coverage. Now he's really good, almost playing like a goalie in drop coverage situations. But then, of course, we played the Portland Trailblazers and those two freaking guards that they had that can flat out shoot it and get up. And he took the challenge because he, he yeah. got up and he at least made them extend before they can turn the corner and we can get the guard back on and take away their daylight to shoot the ball. So I think he's got a shot. I think he's got a shot. The numbers bear out he would get a shot at least, right? Like, oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, okay, Fonz, so. we got you on the show uh, in the midst of Black History Month um, in 2021, which is coming off the heels of a wild 2020 for a bunch of different reasons. Um, I know for me, the first time I came across you as a professional, it was being able to see myself. Yes, you're a man, you're a dude. But the natural hair for me was like, yes, here we go. Um, and so much of what we hear about things that Black folks have done, step one is opportunity. And I know that the game has afforded you many an opportunity, but now on this side, you lived it as an athlete, you watched it get covered. And I'm sure that all of these coaches and programs mean well when we're now beginning to have conversations about the Black experience on their campus or at, in America at large. But what has kind of been your takeaway from this college basketball season as it relates to um, race relations and, and addressing social injustices? I, it, it's interesting because uh... Uh, my my sense has been because we're in a box and we're not getting a chance to go to campuses and kind of get a feel for what's really going on. I feel as if, at least from my perspective, is um, I feel a bit almost like distant from it. Like you know it's there, but because there's not the I'm not going to so college game day every Saturday, right? Mm -hmm. So by now we would have gone to Baylor, right? And you're interacting with people, and so you're you're engaged in a level of communication and and interaction. Haven't had that, and so with where my seat has been, especially in studio, because well, King, you know, we have that six to eight pack where we're watching a whole bunch of games, right? Yeah. You got one game in your ear while you're trying to watch six to seven other games, so that you can. Uh, sound knowledgeable about what's been taking yeah. place at those games. So there's been a disconnect, uh, at least for me personally, with, with, with regard to that. But um, at the same time, that you, you, you've mentioned that, uh, Monica, you nailed it for me. All, I'm 50 years old now. And for me, uh, the, the, the struggle has always been about uh, creating opportunity for uh, anyone who's disadvantaged, but particularly in this case, as, as, as it relates to Blacks in our industry and in sport just in general. And so I'm grateful that the conversation continues to take place. I do get a little uh, bothered by the fact that, you know, we start talking about equal outcomes. What is difficult to, to create equal outcomes, even with regard to a family, because if you go, if, if you study families who have multiple children, the firstborn, usually outperforms the their younger sibling by a mile in terms of uh, collegiate uh, education, in terms of work, in terms of savings. And so those things that from a worldly standpoint that we look at as a successful person, well, the, the firstborn child blows every other sibling away. So I, I, I get concerned as we allow, especially for believers, as we allow CRT and other things to start to uh, 
influence our thinking and that we're not thinking biblically about those things. Where we can impact, where we can impact is creating a level playing field for everyone to compete. And if you lose, you lose because you weren't good enough. You don't lose because you have some type of ha handicap, whether it be color or, 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 or gender or uh, you name it. And so as long as the fight stays about that, I'm, I'm, I'm on board. Uh, when it gets to some of this other stuff that we can't control, I, I, I reject that. So um, yeah, let, let's keep let's keep the conversation about creating uh, out, creating opportunities for those who are disadvantaged. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Hey, hey, I mean, one, one personal story. The actually, I met both of you guys the same weekend at the seminar. And you know, with ESPN, we had the seminar, we had the ESPN seminar. There's not too many of us. You know, when you look around the room, we don't have too many of us. So I thought that it was super cool and like just kudos to both of you guys. Super cool, me being the young rook. Franz made it a point to come sit next to me during the, during the seminar. It's like, hey, yeah. I'm with you all day. Like, I'm gonna teach you, I'm gonna show you the, show you the ropes. I got you. So <laughs> I thought that was super cool. Then afterwards I leave and I'm at the airport, I'm at to leave in Monica makes it a point to be like, hey, I saw you at the seminar. Come nice. come, come, sit next to me, come talk to me. And For real, the truth was fine. I'm trying to figure out why they so pressed about this dude in a turtleneck that think he's so cool. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> hey, so, hey, no, but on a serious note, I thought that was super cool. And, and it meant a lot to me, just being like African-American in an industry where like we're, we're outnumbered. And how, how y'all, both of y'all took it upon yourselves to really help me and uh, try to like really work with me and take me under your wing. I thought that was super cool. It's a super dope example of African-Americans sticking with sticking with one another and not 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 letting the other one get behind. So I appreciate y'all for real. No, praise God, man. Praise God. You've been a good little brother. <laughs> yeah, he has. I'm, I'm like a little brother to you, Monica, and I'm like a, almost a son to Franz. Because <laughs> <laughs> King, if I remember correctly, you're 24 now? I'm 24. Yeah. Yeah. Monica King, King King's closer to my youngest. <laughs> King wow. sandwich between my middle child and my and my youngest son. My youngest is 21. PJ's uh 26. My daughter's 29 and married. And then my oldest is 33. Oh, oh. wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow, yeah. first of all, when you said you was 50, I was like, what? This but is I, not crack. She, well, I, it's, she's kind. We need to get her some glasses, King. She's not seeing clearly. <laughs> but, wait, wait, wait. The glasses. I noticed you've been rocking these a lot. You actually kind of fly with them. Like, I, I, I like them. Kudos I for rocking these, rocking the glasses. You, you kind of fly. At 50 years old, man, my mid and distance vision started to fail. And, and, and again, Monica, those monitors that I was telling you about that are in the studio, uh -huh. I imagine when I got my glasses, Seth Greenberg said, hallelujah. And i tell you why, because I can see the game and I can tell what's going on, but I'd always lean over and go, hey, Seth, what's the score? I can see the score. <laughs> <laughs> Man, doing that from home is a trip now. That Zoom screen, I'm like, I can't see any of this and I have good vision, but okay. This is funny, yeah, we gotta do what um, we can. Okay, King, so there's a way that we end our conversations with our guest sponsors. King, you gonna, take, you gonna set the table or shall I? Uh, you got it. I did, I did okay. the last one, I did the last one with your guest. You can do it, you, 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 you can do it with Fonz. All right, here we go. So the name of the pod, Fonz, obviously is Buckets, Boards, and Blocks. Buckets, and so Boards, Blocks. we have decided 
that that is going to be the parameters for which we want our guests to answer a question. King, what's our topic though? Hmm. You want to do college basketball? Um. No. Sure. No. No. Let Let's no. do. Let's do. Let's do. Just everything. Everything. Okay. In the Big picture. Big picture. Yeah. Big picture, Fonz. Wherever you want to take it, you are a man filled with wisdom and and wonderful <laughs> words. So we'll let. We'll I don't open know it about off. that. I don't know about that. <laughs> well, then you can give us a block if you don't feel like it. Okay. okay. <laughs> so the deal is. The bucket is the thing that you love. Give me more of these. We need all the buckets, right? Okay. The board is the thing that at first glance wasn't so fantastic, but may have a silver lining to it. Think like a rebound. Okay. The block is the thing that you would like to see. Get out of here. Matumbo finger wag. We don't want any more of those. No, no, no. You only have to pick <laughs> one unless you have more. Um, but we'd like to hear your bucket, board, or block on all things 2020 into 2021, and that can go wherever you want to take it. Wow. I feel like That's I'm really gonna... broad. That's King's fault. <laughs> come on, King. Narrow that for me. Give me some... Come on, King. Narrow. All right, look. Let's do, let's do it like I remember, this. I'm the first. This is my first time on your show. <laughs> you're, right, you're right. When you were playing, what did you do more of? Rebound, play defense, or get buckets? Which level? NBA. Be pre or post injury? <laughs> Let, let's go, let's go pre. Would you consider as a, a, a rookie and a sophomore that I averaged 15, nine and uh, one and a half? Is that is that a bucket getter? That's a bucket getter. That's a bucket getter, so. Definitely. We, we, we need a bucket from the college basketball season. This, this season? This season. The bucket. Uh, Praise the Lord. We play. We knew that we were going to have games uh, canceled, postponed, disrupted. We've been able to play 75, at least 75 percent of our games. That mm. is mm. buckets. <laughs> I like that. Going, go, really, Monica, remember going it last summer? People yeah. were saying that we weren't even going to have a season. And yep. here we are, February 3rd. Third, yep. At minimum 75% of our games, that's big time buckets. That's James Harden, James Harden type <laughs> buckets right there. Or my day, Michael Jordan type buckets right there. I would agree with that. That's that's a great bucket for sure. Well, Fonz, thank you so much for kicking it with us. We thoroughly enjoyed. I'm honored. Thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. That was dope. <laughs> Guess what I heard today? So I'm at the gym, right? And there's a guy I'm hooping with. He says he's from the DMV. I tell him my co-host is from the DMV as well. His name is Monica McNutt. First thing out of his mouth, oh, she's a legend. That girl is the goat, one of the goats in the DMV. I said, what? No way. And yep, he said, yep, this is a true story. She went to Georgetown and everything. She, she, she's one of the people I look up to. I said, oh, all the way in Texas. Who is this person? His name is uh, Kenjo. We call him Kenjo. From he went to Georgetown? No, he didn't go to Georgetown. I think he went to Savannah State, but he knew he's from the DMV. He knew you and was very familiar with you. Said you wanted the goats. Oh well, thank you, Kenjo. I be trying to tell you, <laughs> King. You don't listen to me. <laughs> my bad. My bad. I had to hear from somebody else. All right, let's go. Time to stick the landing. <laughs> Time to wrap up things for the week. Thank you to our special guest and ESPN colleague, LaFonzo Ellis. Thank you also to our producer, Bruce Bernstein, and to our brand new editor, Kristen Woolley. 
please check out all our Pure Hoops media shows. This week, Mike Wise has Kobe Bryant's biographer, Roland Lazenby, with stories about the Lakers legend that you probably have never heard. Full Court and Fisher and Kay has the best in college hoop. Each Tuesday, Catch and Shoot 2.0 with Otto and Aaron has the voice of the Atlanta Hawks, Bob Rathbun, talking about Trey Young and much more. BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman have the Pure Hoops podcast on Friday, and I'm back with Monica next Thursday with Buckets, Boards, and Blocks. You forgot your days of the week. Thursday is our show. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Our big hope for this year is that every person on the planet can get the vaccine and the care that they need so that we can snuff out this pandemic. But we're not there yet. So please do all you can to protect yourselves and others by wearing a mask, washing your hands, maintaining social distance, and staying in the house if you can. Please be considerate of those around you. Don't forget the medical professionals, the frontline workers, teachers, grocery store workers, folks working on the vaccine. Keep everyone in your prayers and just our society in general. Until next week, while we still got, we're getting into really good hoops, especially in college, y'all. Enjoy <laughs> your hoops. Buckets, Boards and Blocks with Monica McNutt and King McClure is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.